0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Will Johns. And I'm Rick Johns. And we are so excited to
1: be here with Season 2. We are focusing on healthy relationships, and I think this is going to be an awesome and life-changing topic. Today, for our first episode of Season 2, we're going to focus on family systems theory. Now, when Will and I first learned this theory, it just blew us away because it is so helpful. It is so practical. And we're just excited to share it with you today. Right, Will?
0: Absolutely, Rick. Um, I I just think this theory is something that can be immediately life-changing when you start to put it into practice. It's going to stay in your mind for the rest of your life. Like Once you see how this works, you can never unsee it. Mm-hmm. It's super exciting, and and to kind of set it up, I want to share a story with you. that Many of you can relate to in some form, and that is when I was when I was dating my wife, Lori. Uh, she and I had the opportunity to go with with her parents down to the beach, and one of the things that kind of revealed itself about our different personalities was how we approached our time at the beach. Uh, my wife enjoys relaxing the most, just kind of sitting in a a nice chair at the beach, soaking in the sun, just totally relaxing. And I love to get out in the water and surf the waves. And, and that's, what, that's what makes the ocean uh, the most fun for me. So I had it in my head that if I could change the way my, my wife approached the beach, that, that we would both be happier. Ah, oh, of course. And especially <laughs> since your way sounds
1: so much more fun than relaxing.
0: So that's what I tried to do. And this was, <laughs> this was very early in, in my relationship. I had learned very little at this point about that. But, but, but there is just something within us that looks at another person and says, you know, if they would just do this, man, that would, that would make me happy that would make my life better and we expend this enormous amount of effort trying to to change mm-hmm. the other person and so so i i dragged her out to the ocean i said you've got to catch some waves you're going to you're going to love this it's it's going to be fun and <laughs> and she was willing to try it and so the hardest part when you're trying to catch a wave is to get out past where they're breaking and so trying to get out past where the waves were breaking but every time they broke they would hit her really hard and push her back in towards the shore and i was trying to say well you've got a duck underneath it and, oh, and she boy. didn't want to you know get her hair wet and you know follow that that plan and and um and then once you got through the wave that crashed you had to like you know push really hard through the water with your legs to try to get through the water go in the other direction and and long story short um, it was not fun for her. She was not able to, to catch any of the waves. It was it was basically a disaster. And, and I was the one that caused that by trying to control her, by trying to make her do it my way, trying to make her have fun the way that was fun for me. And I didn't even think at the time about how I might have felt if she had sat me down in the lawn chair and said, I'm going to make you sit here for an hour and enjoy the beach the way I like it. Because I wouldn't have liked that either. (laughs) Sounds terrible. And I I probably would have lasted about five minutes at that point in my life. (laughs) Now I do enjoy that, but I still love to get out and catch those waves. And so most of our listeners, I'm guessing, most of you have probably had this experience where the harder you've tried to get someone else to change, the more resistance that person gives you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the more effort you put into trying to get them to do it your way, the more likely they are to do the opposite. And that can be true for a relationship with your child, with your spouse, with a friend, with a parent, mm-hmm. with a co-worker, with someone who works under you, with someone who is your boss. That is true. That can be true in any and every Relationship that we had. So, Rick, what is what's the answer to this dilemma?
1: Well, number one, I think we can get people excited about our podcast uh, coming up on dating because it's obvious you have a lot of good dating tips for guys. Um, how to drag your woman into the ocean and get her dunked by some waves in the name of fun. Uh, that should be a good episode. But secondly, I think. What you said, we can all relate to because in our close relationships, especially, and I think marriage or even a relationship with our parents, we do spend a lot of energy getting frustrated when people don't do what we want them to do or do things that are annoying to us or irritating, or maybe even just straight up hurtful or destructive to our lives. Um, And whether their intentions are good or not really doesn't matter. But when someone is in a relationship with us and their behavior, their actions, their words are destructive to us, of course, we're going to want to change them. Of course, we're going to want to uh, make changes in that relationship. And of course, our first thought is, how can I change them? And it doesn't even have to be you know, like your story, it can be something small. It doesn't have to be something big. I think we spend Mm -hmm. maybe more energy sometimes on the small things because we think, well, why doesn't Lori love to go out and bodyboard in the ocean instead of relaxing on the sand? Or why doesn't my spouse enjoy this food? It's my favorite one. And they always kind of turn their nose up to
0: it. Or or we get upset because they, they squeeze the toothpaste the different way than we do.
1: Or put the toilet paper uh, roll on the wrong way, or load the dishwasher wrong. I know nobody here who's married has ever had any complaints about how the dishwasher's loaded, but I've heard rumors that some people get upset about how you do that. So there's a million little things when you're living together, especially. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Your kids can drive you nuts uh, with some of their personality issues and, and ways of doing things or uh, what they like or don't like or what they are willing to do
0: or don't want to do. And like, like refusing to, to put on a clean pair of socks, you know, wearing the same pair of socks for a week <laughs> yes. straight, you know, and it's like, why,
1: why? <laughs> refusing to make their bed when you've tried everything. Uh, refusing... I mean, there's just so many things. Kids are really good at uh, refusing those things that are really important to you, especially when they get older. But in systems theory, we now have a template, if you will, or a a framework from which to look at relationships. And this was developed by Murray Bowen in the 70s, and he was a psychologist, and he studied family systems, and he started to realize We act the way we do based not just on our independent actions and choices, but in relation. Like you can't understand a person without understanding their relationships and how those relationships affect them and make us who we are and and influence our behavior and our thoughts and our actions. Even people who are dead can influence us. If if we've lost someone who is influential in our life, what they taught us, if it's a parent, if it's a grandparent, those things are still that person's voice can still be very much in our heads and very much influencing how we think and look at things and what we expect and what we think is right or wrong or good or not good. I mean, that's that's powerful just to observe how these
0: relationships affect us. Mm. Yeah, That's so true, Rick, that... Uh we are, we're not living on an island. Mm. We are completely affected by the people around us. But but there's something that systems theory uh, posits that I've found to be one of the most empowering principles of the entire theory, and there's many principles in this theory that are super, super helpful. But the most empowering one to me, Rick, Is the fact that if I start with myself, if I change my behavior, then the whole system changes. Yeah. And and explain to us from the point of view of the theory, how does that work? Well, it's common sense if you think about it, because
1: if you change one thing in a system and they're all connected, it's gonna change the other things. Even like in a machine, if you replace a part in a machine, it changes how the machine works or runs or whatever. So we're all part of a system, and we all have relationships. We, you can, you know, visualize kind of these networks that we have. And, of course, our immediate family is probably um, the most influential and the closest relationships. And then our family of origin and, you know, the extended family maybe and coworkers, you know. Whatever, whatever relationships are closest will have the greater weight in your life. But what he said that was so fascinating is Murray Bowen, when he was looking at humanity and he was watching how family, how we relate to each other in all systems, whether it's our family, in our church, in our job, in our community, in our state, in our country, all of these are part of systems. So we have smaller systems going up to large, vast systems of relationships. And he said when he looked at them, he realized that we all transfer energy back and forth in these relationships. And he called it anxiety. And he didn't mean just anxiety as in stress and all that, he kind of meant it in the terminology of energy and this influence, and this anxiety that gets transferred between people. And uh, this is a huge thing once you start to see it, because every interaction, there is energy going back and forth. And it can be a real negative energy, or it can be a positive energy, or it can be a little of both. And so this energy gets transferred and will... Do you remember in the theory... Where is the anxiety and kind of that negative energy in a system? Where is it most likely to go?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a, another insightful part of this theory. The anxiety in the system goes to the person with the least power in the system, and it goes to the person with the most power in the system. The, the person with the least power, he often will refer to as, as like the scapegoat, in the system Uh, and so many families have one member of the family that kind of becomes the scapegoat or the The, black sheep the black sheep the the person that can't do anything right the person that gets blamed when things go wrong and one powerful thing to realize is like the system is putting that person in that role And, and so the person may be maybe unconsciously making poor choices because the system expects them to. Hmm. Uh, and so that's powerful. And then those, the person at the top of the system feels the enormous anxiety in the system because they're the ones that have the power to do something about it. Uh, so a dad on a vacation. And the dad is, has planned the vacation but the family isn't having fun. And so the dad's getting blamed for everything that's going wrong on the trip because he planned it. Uh, And so that's an example of the anxiety going maybe to the top of the system. Um, And and that was just a random example you happened to come up with. Yes, yes, yes. I I don't have any firsthand experience. No. (laughs) Good, good. You know, the other way to understand that
1: is look at the president of the United States how many times do we hear people blaming the government, blaming the president? He's the one with the power. We, When we have anxiety, we want to blame people in power. Oh, they're doing us wrong. The government is ruining us. Oh, we've got a Republican president. That's ruining us. Oh, we've got a democratic president. That's ruining our country. And what we don't realize is all we're trying to do is get rid of the anxiety that we have And it's easy to put it on someone, especially like the president or the government, someone who we don't actually relate to, who's kind of a nebulous uh, entity out there, and just blame them and put all of our anger and our hatred and our own, uh, you know, our own issues really is what Mm -hmm. we're doing when we get mad. And here I'm probably stepping on a few toes because all of us... Have had those moments where we get angry at the government or at the policies or whatever is happening in our nation, but just notice, and it happens at work. People will blame the boss. People will blame, uh, you know, the administration or whoever's in charge at your work. You'll hear employees grumble about them and oh, they changed this policy and they did this and they do that, and all they care about is their themselves and their golden parachutes. Da da da. Anxiety. You just Murray Bowen was a genius when
0: he observed this because it happens frequently. And and here's here's the empowering part. Rick is is once we can see how this system is functioning, then we are empowered to change the system or to change our place in the system uh, by following some of the the techniques that he recommends in the theory. Uh, one of the major ones is self differentiation, and this goes all the way back to our our first or second episode in season one when we were talking about authenticity and so when we know who we are and simply show up in the system as authentically ourselves, Murray Bowen calls that self differentiation, and he says that is the way to bring health into the system yeah and so so when you think about your say think about your your family your your immediate family right now uh it's probably the, the easiest way to understand it and if you just show up as yourself authentically who you are and you don't try to control the other people in the system you may try to influence them but you don't you don't pressure them or manipulate them or try to control them. And, and here's, the, here's the amazing thing, is when you're trying to change someone else, the system expects you to do that, and it doesn't change anything. Hmm. When you show up and don't try to change the other person, the system doesn't expect you to do that, and the system changes. Yeah. And and so that's the empowering piece of this.
1: And that's what Murray Bowen over years of working with this theory and working with families, he found when one person makes those changes, when one person gets healthier in the system, it raises the whole system. Yes. It gives the opportunities for others in the system to also become healthy and to change their roles, especially those who have become the scapegoat, or they've been involved in scapegoating someone in the family, you can change that whole dynamic. And it's powerful, the transformations that Murray saw in his counseling.
0: Let, let me give you a, another real world example, because uh, I know some of our listeners love hearing about my failures as a parent, it makes them feel better. <laughs> and uh, a couple of years back, uh, I was having some real kind of knockdown, drag out. Fights with my youngest daughter over getting her homework done. So she didn't want to get her homework done and in, and she didn't like it, didn't feel good for her. And, and I'm feeling the anxiety as a parent that she has to get it done, has to get this done. Right. You know, I don't want her to fail. I don't want to get a bad grade, has to get it done. I'm not going to do it. So when she would refuse to cooperate, um... And basically, in that process, she very effectively transferred her anxiety about having to do the homework to me. And in my foolishness, I, I accepted it all <laughs> and and would eventually just lose my patience with her. Yeah. And, and so it would be this, um, you know, the, the focus would start off with me calmly saying, all right. We need to sit down, and, and you need to do your homework, and I'm here to help. Um, and then it would end with me um, losing it. Go to your room! You know, <laughs> um, because of her refusal to cooperate. And, and so it's just a perfect example of the system was designed to expect me to push her to do her homework to the point where she resisted and I lost my patience. Yeah. So eventually, here's where the systems theory kicks in 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 a positive way. Eventually I recognized, number one, I couldn't control her response, but I could control my response. Hmm. And I could not accept the anxiety for the homework. I could leave that on her shoulders. Yeah. And so I learned... To stay calm and just say, you know, listen, I'm here to help during this allotted time. You know you have to get it done in order to, to be able to be on your phone later tonight, which I know you want to do. And, and so I'm here to help you get it done. But if you don't want my help or you don't want to work on it, that's okay. And and now, guess what? the pressure is on her shoulders. Yeah, leaving it there. And I've left it there. Yeah. I'm not taking it on me. I'm not feeling that anxiety. It's her problem. Yeah. I'm here to help, but it's her problem.
1: And you you brought up something that that reminded me of what Murray Bowen observed, and he used this self-differentiation term from biology. And he said... Self-differentiation is when the cells divide and they become healthy and they become a whole complete cell in our body. And he, he even went so far as to say we're, we act like cells. And he observed in nature what he felt we kind of do as humans if you look at us on a macro scale. So he said self-differentiation means the cell has a healthy, selectively permeable membrane, and a healthy nucleus. Mm. And the nucleus is kind of the command center. And he said, our nucleus is our brains. We have a brain that we can choose and make choices. We don't have to behave a certain way. We can think about it, reflect on it, and make a choice. And then this is the part that I found so helpful, and you just touched on, Will. If we're healthy, we too should have a selectively permeable membrane. And of course, today in relationships, we call those boundaries, and we're going to talk about boundaries more in another episode, but this idea of selectively permeable. In other words, we can allow what comes in, what anxiety comes in, and we can keep out certain anxiety that's not ours.
0: Yes, yes. So
1: Murray Bowen was saying a healthy individual knows what is their responsibility and accepts that responsibility, doesn't run from it, doesn't shirk it, doesn't uh, try to avoid it, but also knows what responsibility is not their responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so I just challenge anyone who's listening, as you're thinking about your relationships, I want you, after listening to this podcast, to start thinking about being selectively permeable, when you're dealing with your family members, when you're dealing with your coworkers, when you're dealing with your friends, what things are healthy that you can let in? Because cells have to let in proteins and different things have to come through that membrane to keep the cell healthy. But bad things like COVID (laughs) or something needs to stay outside that membrane to keep you healthy. And so it protects you. And so in our relationships, we need to know and utilize that because most people don't realize you have a choice. You don't have to take someone's anxiety. You could have someone scream and yell and whatever at you, and you don't have to take it. Now, I'm not saying it won't ever affect you. It'd probably be traumatic if someone's screaming and yelling at you, but you do, you cannot take their anxiety. You, cannot, you can refuse to accept the responsibility that's theirs. If it's their decision and their consequences, you have to leave it with them, otherwise they'll never grow or learn.
0: That, that reminds me of a great story that another proponent of this theory, uh, his name was Edwin Friedman, and, and he's written many books. Uh, he's written Failure of Nerve and Generation to Generation. These are some heavier, deeper books. And Edwin Friedman was a Jewish rabbi, and Friedman tells this great story about a, how a member of his synagogue came up to him complaining about how wild his children were. And Friedman just just had this great line where he said, "You know, yeah, they're wild here, but you should see them at home. They're far worse.
1: <laughs> they are far
0: worse than what you're seeing right now." And and there he is addressing the fact that this complaint, this anxiety of of his member has nothing to do with what's actually going on in their lives. And, and so anyone who's, who's been around the, the church scene for a while, as, as my brother and I have, you know, we've experienced that where, where sometimes a church member will come up to us and be very anxious or upset about something that's not the real issue. And we know that there's something deeper going on yeah. that they're not telling us. And and if we get caught in arguing about, say, the behavior of the children, which isn't the real issue, then we're taking their anxiety on our shoulders and we're harming ourselves and the other person.
1: Yeah. And Will, we see it, I mean, these are times in our country, I see it on that macro level in our country, we are arguing about mass and this and that and conspiracy theories. There's so many things that we are arguing about that I don't think are the real issue. The real issue is we've been through a traumatic time with this pandemic. Some people have lost their jobs or jobs have switched or all of a sudden we're all at home (laughs) living together with everyone and everybody trying to work out of home and do their school out of home. And there's a lot of change and anxiety in the system. And so we find these other things to, to, to vent our anxiety on, which aren't probably the real issue. And yeah. it's kind of pointless to fight, I think, about these things. And I see people fighting on Facebook and different things. And, you know, we didn't touch on much, but I want to point this out. Um, it's easy then to scapegoat people in the society. Mm. And we see that in our world, mm. and Murray Bowen observed, the low end gets it because that's where we have things like racism, Yes. Um, these people are ruining our country, these people, whoever these people is to you, it's easy to put our anxiety on them, they are doing this to us, they are ruining this, they are ruining society, they are ruining our country, whatever it is, and you hear this kind of stuff, and Murray said, that's not accurate, what it is, it's just us transferring anxiety, and we need to find someone lower than ourselves. So that we feel better, we can dump the anxiety on the low man. And that happens on the global scale, it happens on the national scale. And it can happen in our families, like we said, where there's just that one screw up person in our family that's always messing things up. And we can all just talk about them, and how they're ruining our lives. And and even, Will, we can talk about them as kind of Christian compassion. Oh, you know, they're an alcoholic and they need help. And then we can just take all that anxiety and we can dump our anxiety while they're just messing up our family and we can't have a nice Thanksgiving because of them.
0: Well, and, and here's, here's another real-world example, Rick, that it's so obvious when you step back and look at it. So think of something as simple as someone spilling their drink. At the dinner table, mm-hmm. so so here's what happens: if it's the scapegoat that spills their drink, the whole family is in an uproar. Yeah, what did you do that for? Oh my goodness! Oh, here we go again. If if it's someone that's not in that position and they spill their drink, it's like, oh, whoops. It's nothing. Yeah, grab some towels. Let's let's clean this up. <laughs> See the difference,
1: <laughs> and it's we've all seen same that same behavior.
0: Yeah, yeah. But when one person does it, we we just oh here we go. I can unload my anxiety for the day. Yeah, I'm gonna let them have it. Yeah. And and here here's a powerful thing. We don't want that to be coming at us, and and this is where the Bible tells us: do unto others as you would have them do to you. Don't discharge your anxiety. On someone that has less power than you, don't scapegoat anybody. Um, once you start refusing to do that and to dealing with your own stuff, you instantly become part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Instantly. Instantly, and and that, and I say that, both not 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 just at your local family level, but on a national or global level, because it's it's gonna happen. The health of a country or, or of the world depends on one person at a time yeah. refusing to use and play the blame game to discharge anxiety onto the, those who, are, who don't have power, onto the po- powerless. And that starts changing everything. And, yeah. And so you could see, hopefully, why we're so excited about this theory because you, as the individual, You have tremendous power in whatever systems you're in to make them better, to make the people around you healthier and happier by how you decide to differentiate yourself, to show up and to to decide what you allow in and what you're going to keep out.
1: Yeah, Will, and we kind of brought it full circle because not only are we giving up the desire and the kind of compulsion that we sometimes have to control others in our life and make them fit our script and make them fit exactly what we need them to be or want them to be. We're also giving up letting others control us. That's what self-differentiation means. So I don't have to play a role in my family if I don't want to. If I'm the scapegoat, and there's people listening that probably feel like, yeah, I am the black sheep in my family. You don't have to be the black sheep. Live your life. Make your choices. When you get healthier, they will start to get healthier. People say, oh, no, you know, if I start to do this, they're going to beat me down, and they're not going to accept me, or they're going to throw me out of the family. Marie Bowen would say, try it. And if they do, so what? It's your life. You have to be healthy. You have to make those choices. And guess what? Sometimes some bad results may come because people freak out when you start to change. But if you give it time, people will come around. Yes. People will respect it. And you don't have to go and burn the house down and, and, you know, flick them off and say, I, you know, I hate you, you ruined my life. You don't have to do any of that. They were just transferring anxiety that was in the system and how they handle things isn't your worry. What's your worry is how can I handle this in a healthy way, in a way it's not about judging. It's not about getting revenge. It's not about making up for something. I mean, let's face it, Will, in relationships, one of the hardest things is if someone has hurt us or wounded us or kind of put us in a negative place, you can't ever get that back. And I I think we live sometimes under this delusion. I'm going to hold them accountable or I I can't forgive. I can't move on. I can't Mm. because they did this to me. Well, what are they going to do? That's happened. It's the past. There's no like price that they could pay to make up for whatever wound that happened, or maybe it was a bad childhood. But what you can do is change your perspective on it. And what you can do is let that go. And there's this beautiful Bible text, Will, since you brought up that, uh, Jesus talking about do unto others. Also, there's a text that says, cast all your anxiety upon him. So if there is one person that can handle all the anxiety, it's God.
0: Yes. I've found when I'm happy with how I'm living my life, then it's so much easier to let go of that past hurt and pain. Yeah. Because now I'm recognizing like it didn't keep me from getting to where I want to be in life. Yeah. It didn't prevent me from being the person that I want to be. And And next week we need to our next episode, we need to look at um how how us showing up authentically uh self-differentiated, how that will start to affect the ways that people respond and react to us, yeah, and, and what we can do about it. But I think the starting point, Rick, is exactly what you said. Just try it, be aware of how you're showing up, be aware of what you're letting in and what you're keeping out and see what happens.
1: It's so empowering, and it can set you free from so much that has been kind of holding you back because these relationships affect us. And if you're really honest and you take some moments of reflection, which I hope you will this week, you will recognize you do a lot of things to please people around you, especially those you're closest to. And it's not that you shouldn't take their thoughts or feelings or wishes into consideration, You can, but you can do that from a place of empowerment saying, I first have to choose my decisions and own my life and not say they're the ones that are putting me in this place. They're the ones. It's very empowering. It's very freeing. And guess what? Usually if your friends and family are healthy, they'll be happy to see see you have more energy, be happier, be healthier, be more confident, even if it means they're not getting exactly what they wanted or you're changing your role and and things are different, it it might take a little adjustment, but ultimately they'll be happy if you're happy. And if they're not happy when you're happy, then maybe they're not the right (laughs) friend to have.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, there's there's so many things we can go into. I wanna come full circle with my story about the beach and fast forward 20 years so that that first beach trip i was frustrated uh my wife was frustrated you know i'm trying to force her to do the beach my way totally uh ineffective (laughs) (laughs) from my perspective and and totally annoying and irritating from her perspective fast forward 20 years and guess what now when we go to the beach i just run straight out to the ocean i do my thing with no pressure force on my wife and guess what Every so often, she comes out and joins us, starts riding a few waves of her own choice with no pressure from me just because she wants to. And every so often, I come in and I sit and relax and do the <laughs> beach like she does it with no pressure from her to do it that way. And, and to me, I just want to end with that because that's the vision of where family systems can take you. Yeah. You'll find health when each person in the system starts to d- differentiate themselves starts to be who they are and that's where the health just flows in there's no coercion there's no anger there's no resentment there's no irritation it's just it just works and and it's amazing i could give you i could give you 50 other examples of how this theory has just made my life work so much better.
1: Yeah, thank you, Will. And I could too. And so we're excited to share it with you. We hope you'll take some time this week to reflect upon it, reflect on your own relationships. And then we invite you to stay tuned for the next episode because today you've been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Will Johns and me, Dr. Rick Johns. We thank you for listening and we look forward to being with you again next time.